Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Well, today we are having a guest speaker. Uh, and I'm super excited. We, we have my friend Scott Wigner here. Scott and his wife Liz are on staff with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So they really are missionaries to IUP athletes and coaches. And they have been plugging away for years, sharing the gospel, making disciples. Scott has spoken here before. He also was he spoke at our Good Friday service. And so um, I'm excited to hear from him. I just want to tell you something before he comes up. Uh, so I asked him to speak a little while ago, and uh, I gave him the wrong assignment. So on Friday, we discovered that the passage that I gave him, I actually preached on two weeks ago. So he adjusted, and he is ready to go. So can we just thank him, give him a warm welcome? Thanks, my friend. Appreciate you. Good morning, Saving Grace Church. It is wonderful to be with you all again. Always enjoy my time with you. Um, it's always an honor and a privilege for me to be able to come and uh, share the word with you. Um, I, I told the group this morning as we were up here praying, one of my spiritual gifts is flexibility. And um, so I'm, you know, change it on me last minute, no problem. We'll roll with it. And to be honest with you, I think this passage is easier to preach anyway. So Joe, you, you took the hard one and gave me the easy one. Um, we'll see how it works out. Um, but it is so good to be with you all. Um, our FCA ministry is absolutely booming right now. God is blessing us in so many ways. Um, it's been great that IUP went back for some students in person last fall um, because we got to be with our student athletes. Um, and because of the relationships that God has given us, um, we got to interact with our student athletes last year when many of our peers um, could not get on campus, could not be face-to-face -face with the students they were trying to minister to. Um, so as a result, we've really been able to minister through COVID to our coaches and athletes in a way that's been quite unique. Um, and God has used that to build and, and create momentum. And we are so, so blessed. Um, this semester, um, we've already seen nine students make first-time professions of faith, um, give their lives to Jesus, and f begin to figure out what this abundant life is all about. Um, we've had our Thursday night meetings, which last year, you remember, we were holding here in the church. It gave us a little bit more freedom and space. We're back on campus, um, and we've had 80 and 90 students um, attending our Thursday night meetings, which has been cool. We're bursting at the seams. Uh, our Bible studies this semester, we normally start our Bible studies on the third week of this semester um, because we want to give students time to plan their schedules, get settled in, know what time they can commit to being there every week, and then when we figure that out, we start the third week. This semester, we had to start week four, and we almost had a revolt on our hands. The students were like, when are we starting Bible studies? Let's go. Let, let's get into this. Um, and so there's so much excitement on the part of the students. Um, and, and like Misha said, if, if you work on campus in the fall, um, we are so, so busy. Uh, I, if you don't know, I serve as the chaplain for the IUP football team. I'm involved with men's basketball and some of our other teams. Um, my wife, Liz, uh, serves in a chaplain capacity for the women's basketball team um, and also for field hockey and works with some other teams. And there is more work than we can possibly do. Um, 
So more about that um, in a little bit. But I want to thank you. Uh, I want to thank you, Saving Grace, because um, you have come alongside and been a wonderful partner in this work for us. You really have. Um, many of you in the room are financial partners for our ministry, and we couldn't be here without you. Um, you have allowed us to use your building and your grounds, sometimes on very short notice. I don't know if you all know, but Sarah Failer, she really represents you well. She, she does a fantastic job. Go ahead and clap for her, would you please? Because she's earned it. Um, she's been such a blessing to us, and, and you all have been a blessing in letting us use this space for our ministry. Um, we did a collegiate camp here at the end of the spring semester, um, and our students just loved it. Um, thank you for being a church home for some of our students. One of FCA's missions is that we would lead every coach and every athlete into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. Um, and it really helps us when we have good churches around that we can, we can help get students plugged in. Um, we're really blessed in our community. We have about five or six really fantastic churches, and you all are one of them. And so we're so glad when we hear students say, oh yeah, I'm going to get plugged in at Saving Grace. That's going to be my home church. So, um, so thank you for that. And then I also want to thank you because um, you all have grown an amazing worship leader. Aiden is going to come in a couple of weeks and lead worship for us at FCA, and I am super pumped about that. And so, um, yeah, Aiden, we're looking forward to having you. Um, but you all have grown him up, and, and what a blessing that is that our ministry gets to benefit from that. So um, for all of these ways, you all have been wonderful partners. Um, I just want to say thank you so, so much. It's a blessing to be in relationship with you. Um, my father always said that um, when it came to preaching, if you can't say it in 20 minutes, you can't say it. And um, my parents are with us this morning. <laughs> so, um, so the clock is running. So let's, let's jump in together, shall we? Um, we are going to continue your series in the book of 1 John, and chapter 2, and my verses for this morning are verses 15 through 17. It reads like this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Father, I am grateful for your word. I am grateful for the life that it brings to us. I pray this morning that you would open hearts, that you would open ears. Lord, that you would move us to become more holy, to become more like you. So Lord, I pray this morning that uh, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you and that they would be encouraging to your people. I pray that in Christ's name, amen. Um, can we take a spiritual checkup this morning? Because I think that's what this passage is designed to do. Um, this week I went for my annual checkup um, to my physician, and they start, you know, doing diagnostic tests. Some are more invasive than others. Would you step on this scale? Well, I guess if I have to. Here, let's see how tall you are. Let's put the blood pressure cuff on. Um, let me put this little thing on your finger, right? Go, we're going to have you go do some blood work, and maybe there's a scan, but we're going we're gonna to run you through some diagnostics to determine how healthy you are. 
And we want to make sure that if you're off in some area, we want to help you get that corrected so that you can experience great and long life. And this morning, I think John in this letter is giving us a diagnostic for a spiritual checkup and there's only one thing we have to answer. One question we have to answer and it is who or maybe what has your heart? Who has your heart this morning? Because if the Lord has your heart, then you are set for abundant life. And if he doesn't, to whatever degree something else or someone else has your heart, to that degree you are experiencing death. And his call is for us to not love the things or the people of the world, because that brings death, but rather to give our whole hearts to the one who loved us enough to send his son to die for us, that we might have this abundant life. There is a competition this morning for your heart. Um, I had a seminary professor who said, every sin you will ever commit is a sin because you love that thing or something more than you love God. If you had a clearer understanding of who God was, if you had a clearer picture of Him, if you were to fall more deeply in love with Him, you couldn't possibly bring yourself to do something, to be engaged in something that would break His heart. Right? And so anything we're engaged in that's outside of the will of God, there's a love issue, there's a heart issue that we need to address. And oh, by the way, um, love is a choice. Love, and so we are choosing to love something other than God. So this morning, that's our spiritual checkup. Who or what has your heart? In verse 15, John says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now I want to pause here for just a second. Because if you grew up in church, probably the first verse you ever learned, certainly one of the first verses you ever learned, was John 3.16. And John 3.16 says what? For God so loved the world. Isn't that how it starts? And yet here's John, and John's writing to us, and he says, do not love the world. Well, hold on a second. Doesn't that seem like a contradiction? For God so loved the world, I love God, I'm supposed to love the things that God loves, I should love the world, and John's telling me don't love the world. So what in the world is going on here? Right? Okay. And um, Misha, great work on this Bible translation stuff. These are the kinds of things that they're addressing that would seem like contradictions, so let's try to make it more clear. And so this word love, which is the same word in both passages, it is that agape love, okay, um, has to do with certain feelings that we have, but here's the difference. Here's the difference. When, God, um, when John says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, what he's saying is God cared so much for the people of the world that he was willing to sacrifice to make them better. Sacrifice to change the world and to bring it abundant life. Does that make sense? 
And what John is saying here in 1 John, when he says don't love the world, he's saying don't love the world in such a way that your affections become so tied to it that you become like the world. See, when God so loved the world, he didn't say, all right, world, I love you so much, I, God, am going to become like you. He said, I love you enough to pull you to become like me. And John is saying, be careful that you don't get so tied up in the world, so in love with the world that you begin to reflect the world instead of reflecting the goodness of God. Um, You all have maybe seen a 20-something redhead running around here the last six weeks or so. Her name is Lainey Tracy. Lainey, last uh, spring, just graduated from Bucknell University. Bucknell is one of the baby ivies. If you send your kid to Bucknell, you might as well write a check for $243,000. That's what a four-year education costs at Bucknell University. Lainey has a degree from Bucknell in chemical engineering. Holy smokes, right? This is a sharp young lady. And she could pursue a lot of things. And you know what she's pursuing? Full-time work with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You think her parents aren't spending a little bit right now? They are. Yes, mom and dad, I, $243,000 education, I, chemical engineering degree. I'd like to go raise my support and work for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes because her heart is after the students on our campus and seeing them come to know Jesus in a powerful way and um, living out this abundant life that God has for them. And all these other things that she could pursue as a result of her experience and her education That's that's not where God's heart is for her. And so she is loving the world in the appropriate way, loving people and wanting to see them changed, as opposed to loving it in an inappropriate way, which would be, hey, let me go get my $120,000 a year job so that, well, we'll get there. John will take us there in a second. Do not love the world if you live outside of town, you may, have, um, you, you may not be aware that this weekend was homecoming. If you live in town, you are aware that this was homecoming weekend. Um, you have seen the trash. You have maybe experienced the students walking past the front of your house at 2 o'clock in the morning. You've heard the sirens, okay? It's homecoming. And homecoming is this of-the-world experience. And some people are so in love um, with the partying and the foolishness that goes on with this. Um, and, and John would say to my students today, he would say, don't love that experience. Don't let your heart get wrapped up in that experience because at the end of that is death. One in three college women will be sexually assaulted. One in three. And it's most likely that that happens during what our university calls a high celebratory weekend. Homecoming, IU patties. Let me be clear, what happened last night was death. What happened over the course of this weekend was death. And yet, the world will make it look so good, will make it look so fun. And if we let it capture our hearts, we will experience death in some way in our lives. Um, This 
this difference is borne out in the context of John 3. See, we just talked about John 3, 16. Again, for God so loved the world. But if you get down to verses 19 and 20, John makes a real distinction between light and darkness. And God is the light. Um, he is not the darkness. But people love the darkness. And if you do love the darkness, you don't love the light. There is a clear distinction that's made in that context. Now, part two of verse 15, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I, I want to be clear, as I believe John is clear, you cannot love God and love the world. The two are diametrically opposed. Um, and I want to be clear here that uh, this might be better translated um, the love for the Father is not in him rather than of. It's not saying the same kind of love. It's saying where that love is, is projected, okay? And so um, you cannot love both the world and the Father. Um, Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No, <clears throat> excuse me. No one, excuse me. <clears throat> Okay, hopefully that helps. Good. Um, no one can serve two masters. And in this case, what he's talking about is God or money. Okay, But it'd be certainly appropriate you could fit God and the world here. You can't serve two masters. You have to love one and hate the other. Do we have any Steelers fans in the house this morning? Any Steelers? Just one or two? Okay, okay good, good, good. Um, <clears throat> listen, you cannot be a hardcore Steelers fan and a hardcore Baltimore Ravens fan. The two were diametrically opposed. There's nobody who says, I love the Steelers, but man, those Ravens too. Yeah, yeah. That, nobody, you cannot be a Pens fan and a Philadelphia Flyers fan. Nobody says, ah, yeah, love those, love those Pens and those Flyers too. They, the two are diametrically opposed. In fact, usually if you love one, not only do you not like the other, you probably don't like people who like the other, right? Um, I'm hitting close to home there, I'm sure. So, that's what John is saying. You cannot love God and love the world. You cannot love the light and love the darkness. One is east and one is west, and the two, they don't come together. So you've got to make a choice. We try to, though, don't we? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love God. It's all right if I love the world a little bit, right? I'm going to walk in light, but a little darkness every now and then. God, God's all right with that. That's not what it means to pursue holiness. You're, I'm going to pursue life, but also a little bit of death. It doesn't work like that. And so, again, John says, you've got to be one or the other. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So we've got three things here. So let's start with desires of the flesh, which are physical desires, um, usually um, illustrated by sexual desires or vanity. You can't say the body is a temple and then worship the temple. And sometimes we have temple worship. You make an idol out of the temple. Okay? Listen, I'm all for being in shape. You can't tell by looking at me. But if you're in shape, I support that. Okay? But some people spend excessive amounts of time and money trying to be in shape. And they've exceeded what it means to be in shape. And they're, they're worshiping their temple. There's some vanity involved. 
You can't say the body is a temple and then desecrate it with some of the physical activities um, that, that we can take part in. They're polar opposites. Desire of the eyes. Um, and here, what the desire of the eyes means is faulty spiritual thinking. In this culture, the eyes kind of represented um, theology in some ways. Uh, if you look at Matthew 6.22, it kind of makes sense in, in, if you understand it this way. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then... The light in you is darkness. How great is the darkness? And so if you read that and you talk about um, put theology in there, right? Um, your theology is the lamp of the body. So if your theology is healthy, your whole body will be, a, be full of light. But if your theology is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Does that make sense? And so it's what you think about God and how you're, um, you're processing some of these things. Um, it's why, it's why um, Jesus called the Pharisees blind, spiritually blind, because they knew all of this stuff about who the Messiah was supposed to be, and their theology was so bad they couldn't recognize him when he showed up right in front of them. They, they had no way to acknowledge a Messiah who was a humble servant who would come and die. They, they had no, no room for that in their theology. And so there are pieces of our theology we need to make sure we protect them from the world. There's bad theology out there. Um, people who will say, listen, in the end, we're all going to go to heaven. Well, the world would say that because that's comforting and that sounds good, but in the end, that's not what leads to life. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. The world would say, hey, as long as you pursue God, it doesn't matter what path you take. We're all kind of climbing this mountain. And so if you want to get there through this religion or that religion or this set of beliefs, hey, it's all good. Just be honest in your pursuit of who God is and you'll make it to the top. And you know what's at the, the end of that is death. But the world loves it because it's inclusive and it doesn't offend anybody and it sounds good and maybe that's the way we'd like for it to be. But it's not what's true. It doesn't lead to life. And so this desires of the eyes, our theology is really important. We have to have well-grounded spiritual thinking. And then finally, the pride of life, which is the pursuit of living the good life in terms of material wealth. What has your heart this morning? Because I know some people who were wondering if there was a winning ticket for the Powerball last night. Powerball, $630 million. Or cash option, $450. Could you live on $450? Right? And I know people who spend their lives thinking about what life would be like if I could win the Powerball. And I know people who spend their lives thinking, my life would be great if only, and then fill in the blank. My life would be great if only I won the Powerball. My life would be great if only I got the promotion. My life would be great if only I got the raise. If only we lived in that neighborhood. If only we had that house. If only I could get that car. My life would be great if only. And we pursue these things that the world offers to try to fill our lives. 
And what you'll find if you get those things is that they never satisfy the way you thought they would or wish they would. So the world gives you the next thing to pursue. There was some famous actor, I think it was Nicolas Cage, but you can correct me, I may be wrong. There was some famous actor um, who said, I wish I could give everybody in the world a million dollars so everybody in the world could see a million dollars is not going to solve all your problems. And that's a guy who has many millions. He understands, hey, the world says this, but if that's where your heart is, you're not going to find abundant life. Verse 17, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. As these two, God and the world, light and darkness, death and life, as these two are diametrically opposed, so are their ends. The world and those who love it will end in death while those who love God find eternal life. Jesus promised us this in John 14 too. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. I was um, talking with one of the assistant coaches for the football team on the sideline yesterday, and he said, you know, my aunt won the lottery, $20 million. I'm thinking, wow, that's awesome. Hey, I work for FCA. You want to make it? No, 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 not really, not really. But I'm like, well, that's, that's pretty cool. He said, you know what she did? She moved five states away and never spoke to anybody in the family again. That's death. That, that the death in those relationships that you would... I don't want anybody asking me for money. Time to pick up and move away and just kill those relationships. The pursuit of what we think we will fill us, in the end, all we find is death. And so I'll wrap it up this morning. The conclusion, I think, is this. We cannot desire to be holy, to be like God, to be what he wants for us, and to be like the world, to be carnal. We can't desire those two things at the same time. So I'll ask you this morning, who or what has your heart? As believers, we must be different. We must pursue different things than the world. Our Father's love demands it. See, love leads you to love the things the one you love loves. Did you follow that? I read it. I'm not sure that I did. I wrote it. I'm not sure that I did. But I know this. I was at a football game um, two, week, two Saturdays ago. My son, my middle son, uh, Micah, is in eighth grade. And my boys started traveling with me. I would take them to one away game a season since Micah was in about second grade. And we were in the hotel in Erie last week. And he says to me, you know, Dad, I used to hate football. Like, I really didn't understand it at all. But back in second grade, I came on these trips because I just wanted to be with you. Isn't that awesome? And he's been with me, and now he's started to understand football a little bit, and now he's starting to love it because he loves his father who loves football. Does that make sense? 
Now, let me read it again. Love leads you to love the things the one you love loves. If God has your heart this morning, you will love the things that he loves with the love that he gives you. And you will say to the world, I don't want any of that because it causes my father grief and because it brings me and the ones around me nothing but death. What activity will you be engaged in simply because you love the Father? What activity will you run from? Where will you find joy and security? Who will you let master your heart? It's a spiritual checkup this morning. Do you need a correction? I'll be really honest with you. I do. I do. As I was preparing this message, um, you know, I really enjoy winning. I really enjoy it. I enjoy winning football games. I enjoy winning basketball games. We have an over 40 league playoff baseball game today. I'm going to enjoy winning, right? I love, uh, excuse me, and there you go. That's where it is right there. I enjoy winning board games. But when I love winning, that's a problem. Because when I love winning, it will cause me to treat people that I come in contact with in a way that is not honoring to the Father. If I step on that field today and winning is my sole priority, I will have no witness with the other guys on that other team. Make sense? If I step on that football team and winning is the only thing I care about, if I love winning more than anything else, a player who makes a mistake is not going to get the right reaction from me. Does that make sense? So I'll, I'll just be real honest with you this morning. I have to be careful. God, I have to be careful that I am not loving winning more than I am loving you. What is it this morning for you? I hope the Holy Spirit will make it clear. And I hope that as you follow him, you will take another step into what it means to have abundant life. Father, thank you for Jesus and your active love that offers us this abundant life instead of death. Father, thank you for competing for our hearts. I pray this morning that you would give us the wisdom to see the emptiness and futility of living for the world. Father, help us to be as Jesus prayed, in the world but not of the world. Lord, sanctify us. Make us holy for the world to see and for your glory. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.